So it's kind of like, what are you after here? Keep in mind, and you've always heard me say this before, if you really want to raise your effective labor rate, close on Saturdays, tell new customers to stay away for four or five years, overcharge anybody else who dares to come see you, don't sell tires and don't ever do a multi-point inspection, you'll be successful. Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings, sponsored by BG Products. Be good to your customers with BG. Hello, everyone. I'm Gene Girdley, and I produce and direct the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast and virtual events. The Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast is your source for automotive industry leaders, innovators, and top performers, providing you with the latest ideas, technology, customer trends, and performance improvement strategies. And now, here's Ted Ings. This has got to be one of the most anticipated segments of the entire event, both Gene and Randy. And uh, I got to tell you, Randy Brinkman brings a whole lot to the table. And Randy, we got some questions from the audience today. So I'm going to just jump in if you're okay with that. Please, let's go. Okay. First question coming in uh, out of Chicago. My general manager, this must be a service manager, is obsessed with increasing the number of customer pay repair orders per month. However, the number of ROs he claims is different from my numbers. Why? What am I missing, Randy Brinkman? Okay, well, first of all, I'm kind of proud of the general manager trying to increase customer pay. Uh, I mean, that's where your loyalty is going to come with. That's where your retention is going to come through. True. But if I understand this correctly, he's talking about the difference in numbers. Um, general managers generally don't go into the documentation in the service department. They use the financial statement. And the financial statement, when you go to the departmental where you have customer pay, warranty internal, it says the number of ROs. Well, actually, that's really not correct. What that really is, is the number of ROs that have that type of work on it. For example, I have one customer that comes in for the entire month, just one customer. And they come in and they do a customer pay oil change and they do a warranty item. We finish it up. We finish the RO. The customer comes in, pays for the pays for the uh, um, oil change, close the RO, set up the warranty receivable. Now, in the departmental, it will show two ROs, not one, because it's one customer, but you have one customer pay and one warranty. Quite frankly, if I was at a Chevy dealer and I bought a truck and I ordered running boards, but they didn't have it when I picked up the truck and they did a do and deal, I said, don't worry, when I bring it in for my first service, I'll have them put on. So I come in for my first service, I pay for an oil change, I do a warranty adjustment, and they put the running boards on, it would say that you had three ROs. So the difference in numbers is probably the general manager looking at the financial statement and you looking at the actual information of the service department that says how many VIN numbers were in. Mm, Okay. That makes a whole lot of sense, Randy. I like that. Uh, good question. So, so general managers, general managers don't chase after and count up customer pay and warranty and say, this is how many customers we had in to figure up other things because you may be incorrect. You would only be correct if if everything was a single line repair order or only that type of work would be put on that repair order. So it, it's not the correct number. Okay. All right. Good answer, Randy. Thanks. Question coming out of Florida. My owner is pressing me for uh, for me to raise my average effective labor rate. No matter what I do, I cannot seem to move the number. Randy, help. Okay. <laughs> wow, this could be a whole segment right here, Ted. Effective labor rate. It's an average, okay? Why? 
if I was this service manager, I'd say, please explain to me what we are trying to accomplish. Did you just come back from a 20 group and that key column, you weren't the highest, so you said you're going to bring it up? Are you in a dealer group where your competition general managers are higher than you and you're trying to beat them? Well, keep in mind, if you're a Toyota store, you're never going to have the same effective labor rate as a Chrysler or a General Motors store because of the type of work you do. Are you just trying to raise gross? Are you concerned about a warranty audit coming up? So Hmm. that you're trying to raise your, your warranty rate based on what you do. If it's the latter, if you're concerned about raising your your warranty rate, the only thing you can really do there is just not discount, period, not discount. Now, going back to he, the, the, this person in Florida says, I'm trying to raise it, but I can't get there. First thing you got to do is look at discounts. And when you look at discounts, you have to ask the question, who's doing the discounting? Is it your advisor's discounting or is it your coupon? Think about it for just a minute. You've got a coupon to bring in defectors and everything. You lower the price, but you don't shave the tech time. You're lowering, you're the one lowering the effective labor rate. And the more successful you are with that, this average is going down, but hopefully line two of the financial statements going up, you're getting a lot more customers in, getting a lot more gross profit, you're selling more parts, and it just goes on and on and on. So it's kind of like, what are you after here? Keep in mind, and you've always heard me say this before, If you really want to raise your effective labor rate, close on Saturdays, tell new customers to stay away for four or five years, overcharge anybody else who dares to come see you, don't sell tires and don't ever do a multi-point inspection, you'll be successful. Because all of those bring in maintenance and maintenance is what's going to bring that average down. Down, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense, Randy. Can I ask you another question here? Absolutely. Okay, question out of Georgia. I am having difficulty with customers bringing their vehicle to us with an aftermarket extended service agreement, VSA company, which is hard to deal with. Any advice? Wow. Yeah, but you're probably not going to like it. And I'm probably going to cause a lot of controversy here. Well, go ahead. Some extended service contract companies and for our audience, they're shaking their heads right now are difficult. You are on the, you feel like you're on the phone for an hour and 45 minutes on hold, and then it disconnects and you have to start all over again. And this takes a tremendous amount of time. Now, you've got to leave emotion out of this and go with reality. If you have a particular company that's just a disaster, it's always a disaster. When your customer comes to your dealership, explain to them, we have a lot of trouble with this particular warranty company. Here's what we will do. We will make one attempt or we'll make two attempts to get in touch with them and do this. Explain to them what happens with dignity. Don't badmouth them, but say, I don't know why, but this is just what happens. We may have to put the emphasis on you. You contact them and get them approved. Maybe we have to do the work and you pay for it and then get reimbursed. I don't know. But this is a problem, especially if your limited personnel and your advisors are trying to do their job and they're, they're the ones having to get approval. And everybody knows there are some companies that are very difficult. Here's what I would suggest. Okay. Before you do this, run it by your general manager. Don't be a maverick 
and have somebody call and say, hey, this is what my service manager is telling me. And you as a general manager are blindsided by this. Have a, call, con, uh, a, a talk with your general manager or owner. Explain the dilemma. Explain what you'd like to do. Get their blessings before you try this. Randy Brinkman, moving like a machine. I got another question out of Texas. I've been you? there. I've done that on that one. That's It's aggravating. <laughs> okay. Randy, question out of Texas for you. How can I reduce my unapplied time? Sell hours. Um, unapplied time. You paid a tech and you never collected from a guest. Why? How can... The question was, how can I, how I can lower it, right? Reduce my unemployment. Okay, first thing you've got to know what's in there. Run the schedule and look at every single thing in there in unapplied time. Find out what's in there. You could literally have a shop foreman that doesn't turn hours in your unapplied time. Then subschedule it. If your um, unapplied time is one, two, three, four, then that particular individual or individuals will be one, two, three, four, A, one, two, three, four, B, one, two, three, four, C. Like if you're in California, overtime could be B, rest and relaxation could be C, and on and on and on. Uh, do it for your hourly techs and for your flat rate techs, if you will. You first have to know what's there if you're going to make any, any motion on it at all. Now, if you have guaranteed techs where they're paid a guarantee, California, for example, mm -hmm. does these, I know they're in Texas, but California, you, if you think about it from academia, they don't have flat rate techs. They have, uh, our, uh, they, they have hourly techs with a flat rate accelerator. So if I have 10 techs and I'm the service manager, literally, I've got 80 hours worth of unapplied time on my drive in because they're all going to get their eight hours. So first sell the time. Number two, make sure that you are that you are at least I, I'd shoot for 33, 35 percent success rate on same day selling with your multi-point inspections. Obviously, that's that's giving you some time. But your your dispatch agent needs to know the program. For example, I've got two technicians. That's all I have. One's turned eight hours and the other's turned seven. You have one more hour to go. You got to give it to the guy at seven hours. Otherwise, you're double paying. Hmm. So you have to understand, not only do I have to dispatch the number of hours, but I've got to dispatch it equally in order for it not to be unapplied time. Now, think about this, and this is going to screw up every other percentage. You're in California, and you've got a technician that's turned seven hours. You need to get him one more hour. And let's say this technician makes $35 an hour. Do you realize mathematically it's better to sell an hour for $36 and make $1, forget the, forget the hidden paycheck. Otherwise, you're going to pay them $28. So you're better off not having that $28 loss and instead have a $1 gain. Now, that's going to take some time to wrap your head around that one. But mathematically, it actually works. So in summary, identify it first. Do you have techs that aren't turning eight hours a day? And if not, why not? Do you have people that are never going to turn it and they're always going to be in there? So do the research first and then you'll figure out, you'll see what, where it is. Okay. Question out of Ohio, Randy. How many repair orders should an advisor write in a day? We've heard that wow. one before. Yeah, well, kind of, well, let's go here. 
Kind of depends on what franchise you are. Okay. If you yep. write, let's just say you write 17 a day just for a number. Do you want to write 17 oil changes or do you want to write 17 engine jobs? So that changes the whole dynamic. First of all, I would just go with hours. And we've had this discussion before. For my money, every advisor, average, you've got some that are really good and some that aren't. You've got salespeople that can sell 25 cars a month and some that can sell eight. I mean, you've got to, can't use that as the Bible. The average advisor should sell 30 hours a day. So if you said 15, you'd have to be at two hours per RO. And in our industry right now, that might be a little little rich for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. If you ask me, I'd say 30 hours and shoot for around 17. That's what I would go for for a quick answer. That would be a great place to get started. <laughs> Much more Now, if you're cashiering, you can't do as many and the type of work and things of this nature. So if I could maybe back up a little bit, why don't you look at the quality of the ROs they're writing first before how many? Mm -hmm. I mean, are they all single line repair orders or are they all are they selling off the multi-point inspections? And, and how many hours are they getting? I think that's where I go for first. But a quick number, 30 hours and 17. OK, Randy, last question. Yes. No matter how hard I try, my customer pay gross profit retention percentage either remains the same or goes down. What is happening? Question is out of Michigan. Uh, my first statement would be, thank you, congratulations. <laughs> um, what this is telling me is you're doing a lot of maintenance, unless you're discounting. If you're not discounting, then you've got a more expensive tech doing the lighter jobs. Well, great. Um, I just mentioned a second ago, if you were in California or you had a guaranteed uh, technician and you discounted the fire out of it to cover your unapplied time, you know the gross profit percentage went, went completely out of whack on something of that nature. So again, if I'm looking for my percentage, uh, I, first thing I would look at is discounts. It's going to be one of two things. It's going to be the cost of labor or the discount or the price you charge. It's going to be one or the other. And if you're not discounting, seems to me it's probably going to be a lot of uh, maintenance work. Do a quick work mix. Hopefully you're 70% plus maintenance. If you are, then you've got retention. It's not a bad thing. Keep in mind, it's going to get worse in five years. If all of your techs stay with you, they're probably going to get a raise. And I don't know if your labor rate or what you charge is going to uh, surpass that. So it's just the way it is. Just the way it is. I got a lot of averages today. Don't concentrate on the averages until you've sold all the hours. Don't concentrate on the averages until you sell all the hours. If I'm a technician and I work an eight hour day, your goal for me is 10 hours. If I have 12 techs, your shop is 120 hours. Go with that metric first. That would be my advice. You know, we've got a frequent contributor here on the roundtable. Name is Tully Williams. Can I share that advice with him about the hours? Because I think uh, Yeah, he may listen to you on that one, right? <laughs> I love Tully for that. I absolutely love him for that. Yeah, it, it's a lot to love. Uh, now, Randy, you it are- works. You are the scary, all <laughs> The scary part about it is, I hate, I hate to use logic here, but it works. Because <laughs> yeah. you're after the inventory. 90% of all your problems in a dealership are found in an inventory, and 90% of your solutions are found in an inventory 100% of the time. 
Now, Randy, you are all over the country doing training. Um, I spoke with you recently. You were at a good friend of ours stores, Doug Eero, over at uh, Longo Toyota. You train, Love those guys. You train big stores, medium stores, small stores, and you have an online program. If our audience wants to reach out to you to get some advice uh, and maybe some consultation and some implementation for their dealership, what's the best way for them to do that? Call me. I'm in Arizona. So it's a 703 number because I kept my Virginia number from NADA when I worked there. Just call me or, or email me at randy at randybrinkman.com. I'd love to talk to you. Remember one thing, if for some reason I don't pick up, like I'm talking to you now or something of that nature, you've got to leave me your cell number. Please do not leave me your dealership number because I would rather stick a hot fork in my eye than go through your go through your gatekeeper to say, well, they're in a meeting. I, they just called me. They're not that important. Come on. So just leave me your cell number. I'll be glad to call you. Please. Our, our resident expert, Randy Brinkman from Randy Brinkman Solutions here today at the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Thanks, guys. All the best to everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings. Sponsored by BG Products. Help your customers be good for life with the Lifetime BG Protection Plan. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or any of our Fixed Ops Roundtable events, or if you'd like sponsorship information, reach out to Ted Ings at area code 212-763-0016. That's 212-763-0016. 212-763-0016. On behalf of Ted Ings and everyone at the Fixed Ops Roundtable, I'm Gene Girdley. Thanks for listening.